Looking to start your own website? The first thing you need is a domain name, and the best place to get one is at GoDaddy.com. With your domain registration, you'll get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $7.49 a year. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast, hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Yeah, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because Ben is still holding out for Emma. I feel you, buddy. This is MuggleCast, episode 184, for November the 9th, 2009. Welcome to MuggleCast. It's our 184th episode, and Ben is here in studio with me again. Oh my, here I am. And we got two boys on the line. We got Micah and Mikey. Ooh, this is going to get confusing. Two names that I very frequently confuse while speaking to both of them. So It's difficult. Why is that? Well, because Mike uh, and Mike. Yeah, it gets confusing. There's been a couple times I've called Micah Mikey and vice versa, you know. That's true. Yeah. We'll, we'll try to keep it straight yes. for this episode. Yes. Then when Matt's on, it's a whole, you know, Mikey, Micah, Matt. It's like... So uh, we have lots of news to discuss this week. Ben is bringing back his top ten list with a top ten list that you said is going to what? Wow the world. Shake the foundations of the Harry Potter community. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> hold wow. on. A game changer, you might say. And I understand you've also prepared a letter to Emma. Is that true? Oh, I don't know. I have to stick around for later on in the show and see if I see if I did. He's ruining all the surprises. <laughs> Just teasing our audience. So, uh, so let's get started. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Shane. I'm Mikey Tannenbaum. And I'm Mikey B. Mikey who? <laughs> Mikey B. Oh, in the house. Exactly. <laughs> Micah, what is going on in the news this week? Well, first, uh, the place where J.K. Rowling had first written Harry Potter has finally reopened. Not surprisingly, it was turned into a Chinese buffet, but uh, somebody repurchased it and restored it uh, to a cafe. Right. Do you guys remember when that happened, when we found out that it was turned into a Chinese buffet? I know, the (laughs) outrage. Yeah, yeah, it was like, oh, come on. It's such an epic place for Harry Potter history, and now it's a Chinese buffet. But so now it's back to the cafe. And uh, so it, did did somebody like? Is there like a a shrine to J.K. Rowling in the cafe or something? 
Um, the owner said, I think we might put a plaque on the door because it seems popular with tourists. Uh, we were warned that when we took over that people do come from the world, from all over the world to see it. So I think I, maybe the, I, I think they should put a plaque on it. It'd be really cool. So were people visiting the Chinese buffet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder where J.K. Rowling sat wow. in this Chinese buffet. But I was thinking, I have this idea. They should create a special drink menu. Like, they got to find out what J.K. Rowling was drinking there, you know, while she was writing. You know, probably some coffees and stuff. But, like, exactly what kind of coffees, you know? And then they could have this menu. Give me the Joe. Yeah, give me the Joe. (laughs) The Morning Joe. Uh, Or Morning Joe. Oh, isn't that, that's what they call coffee. Cup of Joe. Yeah, yeah. Cup of Joe. Wow. But, you know, they could have that list. And then people can order drinks that Joe had while she was writing there. I thought that'd be cool. That's good marketing right there. Yeah, exactly. They should just rename the cafe. Call it Joe's Place. (laughs) Joe's Place. All right, Micah, what else is going on? Well, uh, for anybody who's interested here in the U.S., auditioning for The Wizarding World of Harry Potter is going to take place next week. Mm. Ooh, I'm booking a flight. I knew. (laughs) Ben, I, I was. You could play Hagrid. You have Rubius Hagrid. If you if you were in front of pretend I'm a Universal exec right now, and you you came on stage and you had to to wow you to wow me. To what wow what would you say to convince me you should be working in my park? Working in your park? Yeah. Oh man. What would your audition line be? My audition line would be. It is our choices. <laughs> no, combined with like a Rubius. I don't know. I would just throw out every bit of Harry Potter information I knew. <laughs> I would bring the MuggleNet book with me, and I would I would dress up, and I would right. grow a beard right. for it all, and I'd wear stilts. <laughs> uh, so that's it's really cool. I'm uh, I'm you know I wish everyone who's going to uh, audition good luck because can you imagine yes, having that send job? Us some they're, video they're, or uh, they probably won't let you keep video, right? No, no. They're gonna yeah. make a documentary about it. <laughs> My life as an actor in the Wizarding World. We have to have somebody who can do a really good British accent that can go down there and. That's what I was thinking. Ben I, could. Yeah, uh, I, I think he could. I might be able to pull it off. MuggleNet will pay for it. Nine-hour shifts in uh, in an English accent, five days a week. Oh, do that be so rewarding. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it says youthful in appearance. I'm youthful. I need <laughs> it, to shave, but oh, it I'm says. Youthful. Please prepare a one-minute dialogue or a monologue for audition for audition using a British dialect. So, I, I bet you could have done it. Yeah, I could practice it. Yeah, use it to get closer to Emma. Then, <laughs> oh, after this, after the later in the show, like she's gonna be all mine. <laughs> all right. Wow. Well, speaking of the Wizarding World, the Orlando Sentinel published a nice construction photo update uh, from the theme park. And uh, things are going up pretty fast. Andrew, you uh, noted that you visited the construction site just under two months ago, and you can't believe it's the same area. That's right, Micah. No, but but seriously, I mean, you look at these photos, and not none of this existed two months ago. And, you know, pe- some people were, were speculating, you know, oh, is this going to be done in time? But, I mean, if you look at it now, this place is going up really quick. All, um, you know, all this uh, exterior construction of you know Hogwarts and Hogsmeade, and uh, the train is there now too, the Hogwarts Express. So yeah, I mean it's really exciting to see all this stuff finally go up. But, yeah, you know, 
You know what, though? All the exterior stuff goes up really quick. It's the, like, plumbing and all that stuff that takes forever. Yeah, which, yeah. You know, they're working on all that, getting it all laid out and plans, then right. instantly it just pops up out of nowhere. Yeah. So it's cool to see. And this reminds me, do you guys remember, uh, Mike, I think you were the only one on this episode at the time, but Mikey, I know you'll appreciate this. Uh, on episode 177, I had proposed a ride at the theme park called Dumbledore's Tower of Terror. Based. I was on that episode. Oh, you were? Okay. Yes. So, ben, I had this, and for anyone who doesn't remember, I, you know the Tower of Terror ride in Disney? Yeah. Okay, well, I proposed a Dumbledore's Tower of Terror, and what would happen is you would go on this ride, and when it dropped, you would hear, Avada Kedavra, and see this green flash in front of you, and you would drop, and Dumbledore would be right in front of you and falling with you to, to his death. Okay, and is that a good idea? And that's a good idea. Yeah, Are they yeah. doing it? Well, here's the thing, and I forgot to tell you guys this. When I went to Universal, we had this sort of meet-and-greet dinner with, with the Universal people, and we were talking about rides, and I was like, oh, man, this is the perfect opportunity. I can bring up this idea that I conceived on MuggleCast. I proposed it to them. They loved it. Absolutely <laughs> loved it. So we're working on several drafts, and I think in the next expansion of the park, they're going to include it. Really? No. But I did tell them. <laughs> but, but I did. <laughs> I was waiting for that. But I did tell them about the ride, and they laughed their asses off. It was so funny, and then I felt so good, like 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 they laughed and like like a, like like oh, it's a funny idea, or like it's you're a, a dumb little kid. No, no, okay. <laughs> no. They, I mean, you know, they thought it was a funny idea for a ride, and then I, I was like on Cloud Nine because I was like, yeah, I gave this idea. Uh, to I impressed the Universal yeah. execs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, so I just wanted to mention that. I, I meant to tell that on the show a few weeks ago. I think it's funny how it says you can see Hogwarts from Interstate 4 now, especially <laughs> eastbound lanes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's all flatlands out there in Florida, and there's a nearby interstate right next to the theme park, so. Actually, it was funny. When we were leaving Universal, when we were headed back to the airport, They there was a lot of off-site construction, too, and, like, in this one field... There was straight up a building from Hogsmeade just sitting in this field. Uh, you could see it clear as day. I mean, there was a gate around it, but it was like right there. I was like, wow. Wonder what goes on in there. Mm, mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're going to move it. Shriek <laughs> Okay. What else is going on, Micah? All right. Well, uh, according to Times Online, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part 1 will be the biggest film of 2010. Won't be. I don't know. Yes, what I say will be. Yeah. Won't be. Uh, they believe Iron Man 2 will be the biggest. And here's the reasoning why Deathly Hollows won't take the top spot. It, the article goes on to say, part of the final Harry Potter movie, part two will follow in 2011. Devoted fans have known what happens in the story since 2007. For newcomers, Harry and his pals Ron and Hermione search for some magical artifacts called Horcruxes. The plot takes the trainee wizards out of Hogwarts for much of the movie, resulting in a marked change of atmosphere compared to its predecessors. Yeah, I don't believe that. I, I, yeah, <laughs> and when I saw this, I was like, yeah, I know a lot of fans are going to freak out about this. Because how could, how could you know, Times Online, it's a reputable source, and I, I thought it was worth posting because they are, you know, uh, a pretty big media outlet. But I was just wondering how they could possibly think that a sequel to Iron Man could possibly out out uh, sell the top earning franchise of all time. It's just that's well, it's a November release, isn't it? Deathly yeah. Hollows. Yeah, but that shouldn't affect it. Yeah. Iron Man Two is probably in the summer. Yeah, yeah. Iron Man Two is in the summer. But you know what, though, here's my thing. 
Like, I loved the original Iron Man. I think, you know, most of you probably did, too. It, it was a it yeah, was it was a, good. It was a smash hit that no one really expected to come from anywhere. Right. You know, it was Marvel's first movie. I think Iron Man 2 is going to do really well. But the fact that they, you know, that one of the things that I love about the Harry Potter movies is they actually had, they have all the actors, with the exception of Michael Gambon, you know, go through all the films. They've already lost, in Iron Man 2, they've already lost Terrence Howard, you know. They've already lost one of their actors who's supposed to be a big part of the second movie. And I think going into that, because the movie was so recent, people are still aren't going to feel it as much. And I really don't think it'll be better than Harry Potter, at least received by... It'll, it'll still make a bunch of money, but I don't think it'll be received as well as they're hoping it will be. Right. Um, so I think Harry Potter will still trump Iron Man, but that's just me. I think they're underestimating the the value of the cliffhanger, too, at the end of this movie. A lot of people are going to go see it just to see where it gets cut. Right. Right. Well, I hope there, you know, there's people aren't thinking like, oh, since it's only the first half. I mean, I guess that's the Times Online's reasoning, right? It's that's just what the it first like. half of the movie, so. Yeah. But you have to look at the fact that, you know, in terms of all time grossing movies, every one of the Harry Potter films is in the top 25. Yeah. Right. I don't think it's going to make a difference if it's split in two or not. Yeah. People are going to go. Just seems weird. Anyway, like, how can you see part two and not part one? No, that's exactly. True. That's true. Well, uh, more on Deathly Hollows. A lot of the uh, stars have been tweeting from the Deathly Hollows set. I know uh, one in particular was from Chris Rankin, who plays Percy Weasley, and he uh, mentioned something about forty-three principal casting members being on set. Uh, a few weeks ago. I think wow. it was just before Halloween that this happened. Yeah. 43 is a lot. Yeah. No, that's that's a lot. And so the big speculate the big theory is that, you know, they're filming the Battle of Hogwarts scenes right now. Cuz, you know, that that's everyone. That's the trio, that's probably all the teachers, that's uh you know, Chris Rankin. <laughs> so Well, yeah, yeah it's, it's the only time he comes back. Right. Seems like a lot of them are getting into it now. Uh, we hear from a few more of them that are just kind of plugging what's going on on set, who they're filming with, so it gives fans a little bit better of an idea of what they're filming. Yeah, is is Sean Biggerstaff back for this film? I don't know. I we, do we have confirmation <laughs> for that, Micah? He's supposed to. <laughs> Oliver funny. Wood. Yeah, Oliver Wood's supposed to be back. I I why wouldn't he? I I don't know. He was he was like in the first film, and then way back in the day on right. MuggleNet, there was this like petition to bring back Oliver Wood. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I don't think, joke. you know, he's not on Twitter or anything, so. But I think he, I, I don't think it'd be unreasonable for him to come back. Come you know? back. Yeah. He's in the battle, isn't he, in the book? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he shows, shows up, up for a split second, <laughs> so who knows if they'll decide if, you know, that's worth it or not. Probably not. I don't know. Well, he can't well, be know, that they busy. Split into, they split it into two movies, so maybe they will take it that literal, you know. More uh, Deathly Hollows uh, news. The actor who plays Mr. Ollivander uh, in the series recently sat down with Rotten Tomatoes, and in the interview, he revealed that uh, he'll be heading back to the Deathly Hollows set sometime this month. And uh, he he basically, I, I have all of what he said here, but he basically went on a tirade about uh, his concern over Warner Brothers' large budgets for films in the Potter franchise, and he even went as far to call Harry Potter not a British franchise, which I thought was kind of interesting. 
Yeah, I I don't know. He, was he like grumpy that day or something? Was he just in a bad mood? Like I don't get it. He's so he I don't know. He's being he's kind of hurt, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but <John> really. Hurt. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> butt hurt. Like, you know, we see we we get it now that the the studio franchise is a big uh, you know, it's a machine. It works like a machine. People come in and out, blah, blah, blah. But he's complaining like he cites, um, uh, I look around and you've got three costumes there, none of which are actually are likely to be worn, and they're all rep- replicas of each other. It's a huge waste of money, and it drives me insane. He said that. I don't know. Like, has he never been in a film where there's multiple costumes for the same character, you know, the same exact costume? I mean, don't they need backup ones for fight scenes and stuff? I just don't get it. I think he's... <laughs> or if you have an accident. And how much yeah. do you think he can sell those things for if they wanted to? Right. Yeah, put them in the exhibition, you know? Well, guys, I think he's trying to talk about the health of the industry in general. Like, you know, how much money is going into making films. And that's what he's complaining about with the Harry Potter films. So Harry Potter is just like a microcosm of a bigger problem? Well, yeah, no. It's because it, it, cause you think that... All right, Right now, the industry is struggling. There's not as many television shows being made. There's not as many movies being made. But there's still Harry Potter getting a huge, huge budget. Why? Because we all know it's going to do really well. But because you see movies like Iron Man 2, Harry Potter all coming out, these blockbusters, you think the industry is doing fine. But the industry is still struggling. But these are what they call tentpole movies. Basically, they expect these movies to do really well, and it's going to hold up the studio for the rest of the year. That's why they call them a temple, because it's the main one that's going to hold up the studio for all the other movies that are coming out. And there's not as many smaller budget or mid-budget movies that are coming out as there, as there used to be, which some people will say is good because they weren't that good anyway. Other, right. people say they're, other people will say they're bad because that's where you got some of your, you know, your cult classic movies that everyone loves to watch over and over again. So it, it's one of those things the industry, you know, the U.S. economy itself is, you know, struggling but so is the industry in in europe everywhere like the movie industry itself is struggling in the same way that uh harry potter was a uh, tentpole for the publishing industry because yeah exactly and then all of a sudden there's no more harry potter what happens everyone starts panicking twilight (laughs) (laughs) oh no um well you know it's interesting i uh they warner brothers had their uh annual uh, results quarter result quarterly results conference call the other day, and they noted how this upcoming summer they don't have a don't have a summer tentpole film, and I was thinking, oh geez, I mean, you know, with that delay of Half Blood Prince, I could almost see them moving part one up to the summer, so they have a tentpole film. Uh, they, you know, you know, it's something you know that I wouldn't be surprised if they did. If they get desperate, because... I yeah. There's no reason not to. And, it, and it's, one, it's one of those things where it's they need a big budget film to hold them up for all the other stuff they do. Right. And you got to remember that Warner Brothers also has their, you know, they also have their little subsidiary that's their independent films. So those are the ones that they try to get the Oscars through. So does Fox. And so does, you know, every other studio has all these little ones that they know they're not going to make as much money from. Or they hope they'll make they'll have that one Juno hit that's huge and makes all this money back, or they'll have the Napoleon Dynamite hit or Paranormal Activity. Activity, exactly. Well, I didn't want to bring that up yet, but you get the idea that it's one of those things where it just brings in so much money, and then that can hold up this, that specific studio, that smaller, yeah. you know, the the independent franchise of it. But yeah. they have to support it, 
and they don't have a major temple. And you notice they even said it during their, you know, fiscal report. So yeah, yep, yep. So, so you know, if if they don't move the movie up, it comes out in November as as planned right now. That's going to be a wild like eight months there, isn't it? In between yeah. the two films, yeah, 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 definitely. It's gonna be like, oh my gosh, it's all coming to an end. <laughs> what do we do? Well, I was thinking about this earlier today. It, it's insane to think now that there was at one point there was a time that Deathly Hollows was going to be one film. You know, before mm-hmm. they announced it and before the rumors started, it's just crazy to crazy to think that. Okay, Micah, what else is going on in the news? All right. Final piece of news for the week. Uh, A single mother from the United Kingdom was planning to have a Harry Potter-themed party for her Halloween celebration. But instead, Mrs. Marmite Lover, which I don't really think is her real name, uh, had to change things up a bit. Uh, Back on October 23rd, she received a cease and desist letter from Warner Brothers suggesting that her proposed use of the Harry Potter properties without our consent would amount to an infringement of Warner's rights. Now, Miss Lover was looking to charge a small entry fee, as she has for other theme parties, but says that no harm was intended. Her big problem, though, was that she set up a small website to purchase tickets to her party online. Mm. And I really think that that's where... She got screwed. Yeah, this got a lot of press. How many? How many people were going to attend this party? Like, where was this party being hosted at? Like her house? Her house. Oh wow! I mean, unless her house was like enormous. <laughs> I mean, well, she had. Well, she said she probably couldn't fit more than thirty people in her living room, and that the cost that uh, of the party would probably equal out to what people were paying to show up. So she wasn't making a profit off of it. I mean, that, that just seems kind of silly that WB would waste their time sending a cease and desist letter to something that seems so trivial. But I guess they're worried, like that, if in the event that that somebody is like, "Oh, I'm going to rent out Carnegie Hall. I'm going to have a Harry Potter theme party and sell tickets right. online. That and look would at be this website. Yeah, look at this. They, they had a Harry Potter theme party. Yeah. Oh, but that was 20 people in their living room. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right, Mike. It's the fact that she brought this online. That's that's where the problem started. And as this lady so kindly noted in her response back to, the, to WB, she said, you know. I know at one point J.K. Rowling was a struggling mother, and she certainly, you know, isn't against charities, blah, blah, blah. You know, I get where WB is coming from. They have to protect the, the, the franchise and the name and all that. But the, I think this may have been pushing it a little bit. And it reminds me of the whole fan site thing. What happened with the fan sites, taking down the fan sites in a way. Yeah, it's just one of those things where if she didn't go online with it, she probably would have gotten away with it and wouldn't have had a problem. But Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, how... Unless like, they would have known, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's the same thing with like when MuggleCast and uh, got pulled from the iTunes Store, you know, right? At the beginning, when you first start out. Yep, yep. We showed them. Why did they pull us again? Yeah, it had to do. I, I think they weren't sure if we were allowed to use the album art or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, it was the album art. I mean, that's the impression we got. They never like nobody ever confirmed what actually happened, you know, but. Even Apple can't stop us. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Yep, yep. Okay. What else, Micah? Is that it? That is it. Okay. That's this all the is news. it. Ben, it's time for your top ten list before we get into chapter by chapter today. I'm very excited to to hear this. You've been... I've been hyping it up for yeah. all week. I've been coming over to Andrew's house, dude. Get ready for the top ten list <laughs> on Friday. 
On Sunday. On Monday, on Tuesday. Okay, the top ten lessons one can learn from Harry Potter. Number ten, your family is more important than you realize. Think about Harry and the Dursleys, you know? It's true. If he didn't have that protection, he would have been a goner a long (laughs) time ago. It's true. Number nine, we all start as outsiders. You know, when Harry's going to Hogwarts, he's very unsure about himself. So I'd like to invite everybody that when you get those feelings, remember that everybody starts off that way, and you should embrace it and just go with it. Go with the flow. Number eight, the greatest gift in the world is a truly loyal friend. So don't be like Wormtail. Don't, don't sell your friends for yourself. So stay loyal. Number seven, don't be afraid to break the rules. I say the rules are merely guidelines, and you should keep in mind all the potential consequences. Number six, arrogance will be your downfall. Look at Gilderoy Lockhart. Look at Cornelius Fudge and, of course, Lord Voldemort, mm-hmm. for examples. Number five, don't mess with giants. <laughs> they may be dumb, but they're fi- still 50 times your size. <laughs> Number four, to the well-organized mind... Oh, sorry. To the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure. So basically, don't fear the unknown. Dumbledore tells us time and time again that the only thing about death... The, thing, the reason we fear death so much is because we don't know what happens. So don't fear the unknown. Get it all together and move forward. Number three... It is our choices, Harry, for, that, that show what we truly are far more than our abilities. So, yeah, when you're, oftentimes you have to make a choice between what is popular and what is, and what is right. That's right. So Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Avoid it. Mm-hmm. Number two, in book one, Hagrid makes a comment about muggles, they, how they don't really notice much and how they wouldn't, you know, if something stared them right in the eye, they wouldn't be able to tell it was there. Mm-hmm. So... Basically, the magic is real if you want it to be. And there are moments in our lives that can be very magical if you choose to look for that magic. So even though we are muggle cast, don't be a muggle. <laughs> and number one, of course, love conquers all. Aww. Love is, I learned this in my evolution genetics class, that love is one of the qualities that is truly, like, uniquely human. Mm-hmm. And so basically love is the weapon we have. And... Those are the top ten lessons one can learn from Harry Potter. It's really nice. You know, I was expecting sort of like a joking thing, but you were, you know, it came from the heart. Yeah, it was impressive. I was, uh, I agree with Andrew. I thought you were going to make fun of this whole thing, but I, I like it, Ben. No, I really am. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this to heart. I'm going to take this to heart, and, uh, you know, I'll probably end up using some of that and just be All like, you need is that. love. I learned yeah. this from Harry Potter. People will be like, well, yeah. <laughs> People are gonna be printing out this time this top ten list and like putting it on their walls. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like, I was gonna say I'm gonna post it under my computer. What le- lesson will I take from Harry today? Okay, well let's get into chapter by chapter. This is our third installment in the Chamber of Secrets series. Today we're talking about chapters seven through nine of Chamber of Secrets. And uh, in these three chapters, uh, we're looking at, you know, things getting darker in, the seer- in this book as um, they find that mysterious message written on the wall. And Mrs. Norris hanging and petrified. And, and also there's the fun death day party in this, in this block of chapters, too. So let's start with chapter seven, Mudbloods and Murmurs. Um, it starts off with, you know, J.K. Rowling kind of setting the tone. And there's this quote. Hedwig was still angry with Harry about the disastrous car journey. Now, my question is, 
do animals in the wizarding world have some sort of additional set of emotions? Because in a world, in the real world, a pet will love its owner no matter what, and certainly won't hold a grudge. Really? Yeah, that's I mean, not my, true. my dog, my dog's held a grudge against me before. Really? Yeah, he's been. You know, if I don't if I don't let him up my lap, he'll like you know go, go tear up my shoe or like something crazy. You I know, that, pets that's not lo- true. I thought pets love you no matter what. All right, you know what? It wasn't until you know you know I just moved right now. My cat that I have did not like the new house at all. Uh-huh. It wasn't until about today, maybe yesterday, that she started to get on my lap again and be kind of mellow. The last few days, her tail was big and bushy, and she was angry. She didn't know where she was. She was scared. She didn't like the move. Okay, but There's she was, was she angry you know. towards you, or was it just the new environment that stopped? Yeah, I think it was just the new environment. But at the same time, you know, if she was angry. She wasn't coming to me. She wasn't hanging out with me because I moved her. You know what I mean? It's uh-huh. not that, you know, she was angry because of the new environment, just like I'm sure Hedwig was angry because of the disastrous car journey. But she was, you know, Hedwig and my cat were not coming to me, just like Hedwig wasn't going to go to Harry and be all happy because she didn't know what was going on. She was still shell shocked. I just so. find it silly for an owl to hold a grudge. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I because think Hedwig had every right to hold that grudge. It's not like Hedwig <laughs> got in any sort of trouble or, you know, suffered much. I mean, yeah, she was thrown around a little bit, but it ruffled her feathers the wrong way, my friend. I guess so. I, uh, we learn stuff every day from I mean, owls. think about Crookshanks though too in Prisoner of Azkaban and how he works with the uh, Sirius. So maybe there is an an added Something. Well, well, Crookshanks isn't a cat, though. It's a, what, Kniesel or something like that? Yeah, that's right. So yeah. it's supposed to be smarter than a cat. So Crookshanks is kind of unique in that sense because it is a uh, it's not a normal animal. It's a magical animal. What kind of cat do you have, Mikey? I have a, uh American short hair. It's a, it's a little tabby cat. It's it, she, She's awesome. Like, honestly, I was not a cat person. You know me. I was a dog person. But uh, this cat's rad. <laughs> So, moving along, uh, the weekend arrives for Harry. No, it's fine. Uh, After the aforementioned uh, point. And Ron's wand, Ron's wand issues really uh, made this week a difficult one, as as Harry is feeling. And Oliver wakes him up for early for an unscheduled Quidditch practice. And Creevy bugs Harry, or Colin Creevy bugs Harry on his way out. We see Colin Creevy a lot in this chapter, by the way, just constantly bugging Harry. I forgot how pesky he was, you know? No, that's how, kind of how you are to me, Andrew. Just yeah, always, I'm bugging you. Hey, Ben. I, hey, I, ben. I, ever since I moved out here, he's just always knocking on my door. You want to go to Subway? You want to go, <laughs> go out to eat, dude? Can you sign this picture for me? So uh, Oliver is extra careful about training the team this year. After last year, they lost with, quote, their worst defeat in 300 years. The blame is on Harry because they were a player short. They didn't have, you know, Harry to be the seeker. Um, so I'm wondering why why is it why didn't they have a substitute teacher for or player, a player substitute seeker? Yeah, a substitute seeker seeker, because in real world sports, you know they have a they have a pinch hitter or a, you know a, they have they have bench players well, bench who come players. in. Yeah, the, but you know what though, like you know with a substitute seeker, the seeker ends the game, so the game wouldn't end without someone catching it. And again, the snitch is 150 points. So without Harry, they knew whoever they put in there was just like not going to catch it anyway. So I think I think they may have had someone well, even though it doesn't really say he No, does. no, they said they said in the book they were they a were player short. short. I know, I remember they said they were a player short, but I don't know if that implies that they actually went out without a seeker because then mm. they couldn't win at all because they couldn't end the game. So unless the other team caught basically it. Basically you're saying like oh 
without Harry, no matter who was going to be there, they'd still like they were still they were still a force, sure, because they didn't have a yeah their full force. No, that is yeah. that is one way to look at it, but who knows if that's actually right? I mean, I I it, it wouldn't surprise me that the way I read it and Michael, well, Michael, what do you think about this? Do you think which way do you think Joe meant it? Well, I like your point about a, a substitute player. They always say like the the most important player on a football team is the backup quarterback. So, it's you're right. It is kind of weird that they don't have somebody who can step in and make a difference, or or at least try and keep them in the game. Yeah, maybe be as half as good as Harry. Yeah, I mean, you would. Yeah, you'd think that you would think that you know the backup seeker position would be almost as coveted as the seeker position on yeah. one of these teams. Yeah. Was this was this final game of of in Harry's last year? Was that even in the book? No. Um, well, he wakes up in the hospital wing and they're like, oh. "Oh, we got crushed by Slytherin." Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Well, yeah, I think uh, they should have some sort of uh, rules going in there, and I think Micah brings up a good point. You gotta have some substitute player waiting in the wings, but maybe it's Wait, not part of the on. rules. Didn't they, didn't they have substitute players though during fifth year when? Uh... A bunch of people started getting banned, and different people started stepping in. Like when Harry got banned, didn't like you know different people take over, and like didn't Ginny come in to start? playing? Yeah, well, maybe in so those th- cases there was more time to train someone, but they don't have. Maybe they just don't always have someone waiting in the wings, no matter what. You know what I yeah. mean? Because like, yeah, because like when you said they don't have a, like, I read it too that they didn't have a player. They're a player short, so that's how I read it. But I'm thinking like. Again, that's such a minute point that it's almost we're talking way too much about it sometimes. But, well, uh, you know us; we overanalyze everything. I know, but it's—I don't know. Well, yeah, I, okay. I, I well, would, well, I would think there was someone there. Okay. So moving along, uh, as they're about to begin their Quidditch practice, the Slytherin team comes in and presents a note from Snape, Snape explaining that they can use the field to train their new seeker. The new seeker is revealed to be Malfoy who was let onto the team on account of his father buying the entire team Nimbus 2001s. Those lucky kids. Ooh. And so here's another question about Quidditch. Should there be a rule to regulate fair Quidditch gameplay where all teams must be using the same brooms? I mean, I never understood that. Why can, why can you know one team have a certain set of brooms and another team have another set? It's not really fair gameplay, really. Well, it's it like, is. It's, it's like, like baseball it's like, players having extra special bats that make them hit the ball further. Yeah, and it really, it really turns. Um, you know, like the Yankees just won the World Series, right. and a lot of the big complaint is, oh, they're this big market team. They have all this money to spend on these better players. Right now, in Quidditch, if it basically puts a financial aspect on like how good a team can be because if you have the best brooms, you know, the, the Weasleys, there's a couple there's several Weasleys on the on the Hogwarts, I mean on the Gryffindor team. Yeah. And you know, their parents are poor, they can't afford brooms, the good brooms. So that put, automatically puts them at, at a disadvantage, but that seems to be how society is. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, I guess so. It just seems well, weird. I don't think it's like they should be like a rule there. It's it's I compare the broom as almost like cleats or shoes, like you know, not every runner has the same type of shoes. Not every football player has the same. Type right, of right. But but think about you can again, still run fast. Thinking, like there there aren't like oh well he has like six hundred dollar cleats so his cleats are going to be better. You know, like if there's a broom that's a Nimbus two thousand one, that's clearly going to beat a clean clean sweep seven. I right. Mean, doesn't, well, but, this doesn't handle right, well, hold as well. Hold on, but what if what if like Hermione was riding the Nimbus two thousand one, and you know Harry was well, yes. riding the clean sweep? It does come down Harry to skill too. Win. It comes down to skill. It's you know it's like 
you know, it's like us trying to drive a race car. I don't think any of us would drive it any better than, you know, someone driving, you know, a Mustang, you know, who really is a professional driver. You know, if we had a professional car, we probably wouldn't be a better driver on a racetrack than someone in a Mustang. Oh, okay, okay that, that's, that's a good point, Mikey. But say, say the Mustang has a max speed of 110 and the race car has a max speed of 180, okay, then but, who's but, going but, to win? But, but, but here's the point is comes down to turns, you know, like, can you take that Mustang, can you take that race car at that speed around a turn? But a race, a race professional driver can probably do it better than you could. Right, okay. Um, now, now yeah, say, so say we're at equal, say we're no, at no, equal skill level. <laughs> say we're at equal skill level. You have a Mustang, okay, I have a race car. Then it's completely unfair. I totally agree. So we, should we level out the playing field, have a standard broom maybe? Yeah. There should well, be. There really should no. be. It, it's, it, I think I think skill makes up for it because honestly, Malfoy may have better room, but Harry still catches the snitch. What are your thoughts on steroids in Quidditch? Because those beaters <laughs> could really, you know, if they had steroids. Micah, do you have you have a, you have a good uh, perspective on sports? What do you think? Well, I, I, you bring up a good point. I mean, we see it all the time, though. It's it's always like they're trying to one up each other every time. Quidditch comes up in the book. It's like Harry gets the Nimbus 2000, then Draco gets the Nimbus 2001, then Harry gets the Firebolt. Yeah. And it, it, it's just it, it's one of those things where I agree there should be a, some sort of school standard. I demand of, standard. Of, of boom that you use in Quidditch. Yeah. Ah, wise guy. It's kind of like it's all acceptable, but right. I mean, think about what the Weasleys use. I think Ben mentioned that before. Yeah. They're on these slow brooms i can't say that can i uh what are they called the chaser what do you the clean, clean sweep, sweep. clean sweep well, yeah but mikey mikey's pretty much saying it's the weasley's fault they're poor that's that's what no mikey i'm not saying, saying <laughs> it's their fault they're poor i'm not saying that it was implied just, <laughs> no i'm i love the weasley's i'm just saying that you know i understand where i don't think it has to be regulated because then what's the point of Harry getting this awesome firebolt later on? Hmm? Well, there would be like, no point to it because everybody would have equal brooms. There would be a level playing field. I demand broom equality. <laughs> I have a dream that one day <laughs> All brooms will be created equal. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> okay. Um, so a fight breaks out. <laughs> yes. So then a fight breaks out between Ben and Mikey over. Yeah. No. <laughs> a fight breaks out after Draco calls Hermione a mudblood. And Ron's spell accidentally backfires and makes him spit out slugs. Eat slugs. <laughs> Sorry, that's what uh, he said in the movie. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to say something about this. Like when I read the when I reread the book because I knew what Mudblood was. And I knew how you know, and, and I read the reactions to everyone. I was totally like kind of taken aback because I had forgotten the way the book is written. You have no clue what Mudblood means at that point in time. Like we know now because we've read all the other books. And well, no. Have... Here's the thing that that yeah, that's explained in in a yeah, little it's, bit. Yeah, it, it, is it explained before that? No, it's explained when they go to Hagrid's hut afterwards. Yeah, when they yeah. when they go to Hagrid's hut. But you see, like Harry's like, I know Draco said something really bad. Like that's what it says in the book, and it's like you see all the reactions of everyone. But Harry's completely clueless. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, I, and I thought that was kind of cool because and so like, is Hermione. It, yeah, Hermione's not upset, but whereas in the movie, like, she's hurt and right. upset and kind of knows. And, like, for some reason, like, I just kind of – that whole scene I always thought of just as in the movie. But reading it again, I was kind of like, oh, wow, Harry's kind of oblivious to this and everyone's reacting. He's just like, she must have said something really bad. Yeah. Well, here's – yeah. So, well, we'll get to that more in a minute. Um, Ron's curse 
Uh, what I want to talk about right before that is Ron's curse definitely would have gotten him in trouble. And as Hagrid later says, uh, Lucius would have put pressure on Dumbledore to do something about it. Uh, and, you know, Ron's immaturity and lack of thinking before doing shines through here. And yeah. I don't know. I, I wonder what would have happened to him if he... I mean, he did fire a curse. I mean, I know he was pretty upset because he knew what mudblood meant, but... Well, think about it. When uh, when uh, Buckbeak, you know, hurt uh, Draco, what did, what did uh, Lucius do there? Wanted Buckbeak dead. Right, exactly. So, yeah. like, imagine, you know... He would have expected... A Weasley. Big, yeah. You know, a Weasley. You would have you thought know. Ron would have calmed himself down, though. I mean, especially after getting that howler from his mother. Never <laughs> learns that Never Ron learned. Weasley. Nope. Well, I mean, at this he's point, he's already started Hermione. to develop a few feelings for Hermione. He doesn't That's, want to admit it. That's and true. No one calls his Hermione a mudblood. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Micah? No, I was about to say the same thing Ben did. Okay. Okay, so uh, last week we discussed why Dumbledore chose Lockhart for the job, and as Ben correctly explained last week, uh, as Hagrid does in this chapter, that he was, quote, and I wrote this out, not in Hagrid's impression because it's too hard to type out, the only man for the job, and I mean the only one, getting very difficult to find anyone for the dark arts job. People aren't too keen to take it on. They're starting to think it's jinxed. That's what Hagrid said, so right on, Ben. Right on. All right. And uh, then there's this is the big movie difference uh, right here. And this is what Mikey brought up. Uh, Ron explains and knew what the word mudblood meant. And Hermione did not know what it meant when Draco said it. But in the movie, of course, Hermione knows what it means and sobs upon explaining it in Hagrid's hut. And it's a very sad scene. I'm wondering why WB would change this because, you know, and we're going to get to another example uh, in another one of these chapters coming up later in the show. But, you know, it, what, what's the deal with, you know, letting Ron be a little smart every once in a while? Why does he have to be the dumb third wheel? Well, you know what? Ron did know it in the movie. He did. Because that's well, why he cursed. That's yes. why he cursed. You yes. know, tried to curse Draco. But you know what? I think in the movie, if, you know, reading the book, it seemed like Hermione wasn't really upset, you know? And in the movie, it plays better, emotions-wise. Yeah. You know? I just so. still think it could have worked if Ron explained it in the movie. I mean, you know, Hermione yeah. still could have sobbed and maybe could have I been agree. like, right, Ron, you're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. What Ron was the other line that uh, that Hermione stole from Ron? Oh, later in the sh- uh, maybe it was in the in the first movie. Well, there's an explanation about squibs coming up in chapter nine that yeah. that Ron. That Ron says, but it's not in the it's not in the movie. Poor Rupert. I know. I think that's what I'm thinking about. I don't know. We'll, we will get to it later, though. Uh, okay. And to wrap up this chapter, uh, after returning to the castle from Hagrid's, McGonagall greets them upon their entrance and issues the detentions for the car incident. And Ron was to clean the trophies with Filch, and Harry is to help Lockhart respond to fan mail. Of course, Harry's dreading that, and you know Lockhart's all excited, and it's like, oh, it's. You know, it's so much better than cleaning the cleaning the trophies. And then while signing the fan mail, Harry hears the basilisk for the first time. And he doesn't know what it is, of course, and notices Lockhart doesn't hear it. And at this point, Lockhart realizes what time it is and sends him home. Uh, and then once back in the common room, he explains it to Ron. And, he, and Ron is just as baffled. He doesn't know what it means either. And, of course, this leads us to the Death Day Party, Chapter 8. Um, 
Halloween is approaching, and Harry runs into nearly headless Nick, who appeared to be upset, and Harry learns that Nick was rejected from the headless hunt. And uh, the group rejected him because his head was not completely separated from his body, and the letter reminds Nick he would not be able to partake in activities like horseback head juggling and head polo. Uh, Nick does not accept these as good excuses, though. And I'm kind of confused as to why. You know, if his head's still on his body, you can't be playing head polo because you're just hidden around your heads, right? Yeah. Nick just doesn't get it. Yeah, well, what's the deal with that, Micah? I don't know. Man. Why does he want to be in this him. headless hunt so much? He, well, he's looking for a place to belong to. I think he's lonely, you know? And he's Going just about so the castle close, all the like time. an eighth of an inch. Yeah, know? but yeah, but he's got Helga. He's got he's got people he can chill with, you know, in Hogwarts. So soon after that, Filch tracks Harry down and berates him for bringing mud into the school. And Filch brings Harry to the office when they're a couple minutes into Filch's sentencing, uh, when he hears Peeves causing havoc on the floor above, and Filch runs out. And while he's gone, Harry notices he has been learning a quick spell course. He sees it on his desk, and when Filch returns, he notices the envelope had moved. And he claims it was for a friend, but flips out on Harry. Uh, Filch lets him go detention-free, and Nick greets him upstairs and explains that it was actually him, Nick, who got Peeves to cause the havoc. And then Harry was like, oh, that was so nice of you, uh, Nick. And he wants to return the favor, so that's when Harry accepts Nick's invitation to the death day party. And Nick is thrilled and also asks Harry to let Sir Patrick know that Nick is quite scary. I'm talking too much, so no, you guys no. Keep, I, I, uh... I wanted to get to this point. Okay, um, good. When I thought when I read this again, I kind of reminded me of um, of Slughorn, of Harry. You know, like why would Nick invite Harry among everyone else? It's because he's Harry Potter, and right. I think, and I just was like, and I think that's almost selfish of uh, of nearly headless Nick that he wanted to have the famous Harry Potter come to his party and uh, yeah, it's really speak, not in his you know. character, is it? Yeah, it, it seems like, like, and like I never really thought of. Nearly Headless Nick is kind of selfish in that way. Yeah, like a slughorn, like, oh, I need to have you at my party. Yeah, like, you need to collect Harry and have Harry talk good about me and talk me up. And uh, it it was just, like, odd because it it seemed almost out of place. But I guess, obviously, it wasn't. It it was 500 years, though, in all fairness. I mean, it's a pretty big party. Yeah, that's true. It was was this big party, so it makes sense. But uh, (laughs) what, what I thought interesting from this was that uh, if it wasn't for nearly headless Nick, then in what was it Half-Blood Prince, there wouldn't have been a way for the Death Eaters to get into Hogwarts. Because I'm assuming that this cabinet that he breaks is the same cabinet that ends up in the Room of Requirement. Oh yeah, breaks. yeah. Uh, Filch actually calls it the Vanishing Cabinet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Peeves I... broke it, and because of nearly headless Nick, Dumbledore died. So, oh my! Oh, no! look at that! It's a connection. <laughs> well, there, yeah. There's another good example of how the books run. Uh, what is that called? Uh, we were talking about it last week. How one is like seven, two is like six. There's the Chamber of Secrets Half Blood Prince connection. Very cool. That's true. And good, good, good catch, Micah. Thanks. So moving along through this fine chapter, um, they go to. Um, or the day of the death party 
Hold on, let me try this again. So the day of Nick's death day party arrives, and they're, and the trio's kind of regretting accepting the invitation in lieu of the Hogwarts Halloween feast because, you know, they're kind of nervous about it. They don't know what to expect. Rightly so, because, you know, who's ever been to a party celebrating someone's death after 500 years? And uh, upon entry, they're blown away by all the ghosts they see. They, uh, J.K. Rowling like described it as being, like, surreal, remarkable, or something like that. And... Um, I lost my play. They encounter Moaning Myrtle for the first time, and Hermione is quick to point out that she's very annoying. Um, and a little side note, in this chapter we learn that ghosts can almost taste things. Um, when a ghost moves, uh, a ghost in this chapter moves his mouth mouth through through a salmon and reveals this. Salmon? Salmon, sorry. <laughs> They're salmon. Salmon. And Hermione suspects that they let the food rot so the taste is stronger. And that's pretty insane because, like, I wonder what the line is for, like, you know, being able to actually taste something because you're still a ghost. You still don't have taste buds. Maybe it's like a, I don't know. Because, I mean, if, 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 if you have very, very, very poor taste buds, assuming that's what well, they have, would they also have very, very, very poor uh, sense of touch or sense of smell? Well, they, they go right through everything. So how could they? Yeah, they can't, they can't pick things up, right? No, but I'm saying if they can go through something and kind of taste it, how can they go through... Why couldn't they go through something and touch it? Ooh. Mm. Like, because taste is clearly a physical sensation. Right. Just like touching is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, maybe they... I don't know. Maybe it's all in their head. Yeah. See, yeah, see now, See, now can Peeves taste it? Because Peeves can touch things and move things. Because he's Peeves a poultry. Pul- yeah. Well, actually, the thing is, uh, um, J.K. Rowling had wrote that when Hermione um, suggested this, she did so with a sense of knowledge, or she knowledgeably said this, something like that. So she implied that this was fact, because Hermione knew what she was talking about. Yeah, but but that's to ghosts. What about poltergeists? You know, what what about peas? Can he taste stuff? Uh, Andrew, I'm looking to you for the answer. No, I, I, well, I think what Ben said, yes, because he's a poltergeist, because you know he's not a traditional ghost, so you know he can knock stuff over. So, I mean, unless he's doing it with wind somehow, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Peeves runs into the trio and causes trouble when he tells Myrtle what they'd been saying about her, and Myrtle gets very upset. Um, and then as Nick is about to give his speech, Sir Patrick, uh, the, the head of the ghost hunt, is that what it's called? The headless hunt. The headless hunt, um, comes in, he comes in with a big entourage and Harry tells Sir Patrick how frightening he thinks Nick is per Nick's request, of course. But Sir Patrick realizes straight away that Nick asked him to say that. Um, so what's the deal with this Sir Patrick guy? I mean, does he, can you connect him to any other characters who seem similar? I mean, he's just this really arrogant ghost who, you know, maybe part of the reason he's not accepting Nick is just because he, he likes to see him suffer through this. And like he says to the trio, he's like, oh yeah, he's been trying forever to get in, but we keep rejecting him. It's, uh, he's like, maybe like a Lucius Malfoy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or this is just another example of what, you know, what I was talking about with, uh, you know, intolerance and arrogance and how people, you know, nearly headless Nick, you know, that one eighth of an inch of skin attaching his head, 
is enough to keep him out of this elite club. Right. Where similar to the way that if you don't have full blood, then Voldemort isn't going to accept you. you yeah. Know? So it's like a minor, like people are discriminating over like the most minor details. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. Any well, other thoughts, guys? Do you really think that they're discriminating against him? Because that makes a difference. Like, again, he can't play, you know, headless polo because his head is still attached. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, sure. Sir Patrick has some good arguments here, but it's like, you know, poor guy. He's been dead for 500 years. Just let him in. He'll, he, just wants, he just wants the title, I guess. Well, like, by definition, I mean, it's like it's a club, you know, and by definition – you know, the discrimination is like rules against, you know, to discriminate is to choose. Yeah. And they, they of course, they're the headless hunt, so they're not going to want to have someone who has any part of their head still attached. So, I mean, it's not necessarily unjust discrimination, but it still is a form of discrimination over something pretty minor, I would say. I think you're right. Yeah. All right. And moving still, I can't believe we're at an hour already. Time has flown by. Um, I try to make myself <laughs> believe. Um, I think we're going to skip that today. What? I already took it out of the show. Make the before we started. Yeah, because No, that's fine. Yeah, because it's so long. Um, I keep losing my place. I'm sorry. So Nick tries to give his speech, but like I said, Sir Patrick steals the spotlight. And uh, the trio leave. They're like, we're out of here. This, this thing sucks. And that's when they go, uh, Harry hears the noises coming from the walls again, and they discover on the wall, written in blood, is the chamber of secrets has been opened, enemies of the air beware, written in blood. And uh, Ron suggests getting out of there before anyone sees them, but it's too late, because students are leaving the Great Hall after the feast, and ran right into the trio, and they see the message, and everybody gets silent. And Draco tells the crowd that mudbloods are next. J.K. Rowling ends the chapter with, he grinned at the sight of the hanging, immobile cat. So Draco, you know, he's really starting to turn evil in this book. Um, And this leads us to chapter 9, the writing on the wall. And this opens with uh, Dumbledore, McGonagall, Snape, Lockhart, Filch, and the trio all heading into Lockhart's office to discuss what has happened. Um, And there's an interesting quote towards the beginning here. J.K. Rowling writes, Snape loomed behind them half in shadow, wearing a most peculiar, peculiar, peculiar expression. It was as though he was trying hard not to smile. Is J.K. Rowling try to th- trying to throw us off, or was he actually happy, was Snape actually happy with what was going on? Because uh, I think Snape was happy that like, he thought he had busted Harry doing something messed up. But, but, well, this is my next question. Surely he knew better than assume it was their fault that they did this. No, I mean that that's Snape's character. I mean, he he the whole series he he's out to get the trio. He's out to get Harry. It it may not seem fair, but that's just the way that he is. Yeah, but he's got some issues yeah, to resolve. I, I agree with Mike on this, and I think in hindsight, knowing how Snape turns out, I think he might be more along the lines of enjoying seeing Harry squirm. Like he knows Harry probably didn't do this, and in fact, he even comes up and says. Uh, he even kind of stands up for Harry. So why do you think he's excited? I, I think happy. he's enjoy. I think he's enjoying watching Harry squirm because oh, he knows Harry okay. didn't do it. He's kind of like Harry, Ron, Hermione. These trio, these golden kids of Dumbledore, are scared. You know, you know, 
Ashless right now, and and, yeah. and he knows he knows it, and he sees it, and he's just enjoying them being scared because he doesn't like Harry. I think you know, that's a good mean, point. Yeah, you know, it doesn't mean that he's not gonna stand up for Harry, which he does in a minute. But it's one of those things where he enjoys watching Harry squirm. Yeah, yeah. Fair point. Yeah. So basically, uh, Harry is just upset that, or Snape. Snape is just happy to see Harry suffering. Right, Mikey. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Okay. And uh, so Lockhart pretends to know what happened to Mrs. Norris until Dumbledore c- declares that she was actually not dead. Or, yeah, she was she was just <laughs> petrified. And the teachers wonder why the trio were walking down that corridor. And Harry fears explaining what he had heard coming from the walls. Now, Snape suggests Harry is removed from the Gryffindor Quidditch team for not being truthful. And McGonagall quickly says, that is uncalled for. <laughs> Does Snape ever keep some level of professionalism? I mean, he's like Draco. This is like Draco sitting in there and being like, I think he shouldn't be on the Quidditch team. Well... For this. You know, you know I, I, I have to agree with you. Like, I think, uh... I, I, you know... And as McGonagall so intelligently points out, there was no evidence suggesting that they had actually done this. Other than, you know, uh, Harry vamping with, you know, trying to make up some excuse for why they were up there. No, I agree, but I think it was kind of, I, I think it was almost throwaway. Like, I think Snape knew he wasn't going to get tossed off, but... He needs to grow again, up. It, it's, it's one, no, I think it's one of those things where he wanted to see Harry squirm and sweat, going, oh my gosh, I'm going to get kicked off this Quidditch team. And he knew there was no way Dumbledore, with McGonagall there, actually kicking him off this because there he, like he said before there was no point you know there was no proof that he actually did anything wrong he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and i think snape said that again going back to before just like to watch harry squirm a little bit mhm mhm i think you're right and then there's an interesting quote here uh the quote is dumbledore was giving harry a searching look his twinkling light blue gaze made Harry feel as though he were being x-rayed. What was going on there? Do you think uh, Dumbledore was kind of reading into his mind or something? Yeah. I think there's a little legilimens there. It's just like when we heard with Snape, uh, I think it was last time we did the show, and we mentioned in Sorcerer's Stone how he seems to be able to know when Harry's lying or that he'll, he's able to read his mind or Harry gets that feeling. Yeah. I think I wouldn't be surprised if Dumbledore did it too, but I think Dumbledore would probably be a little bit more cautious about it than Snape. So the trio run into a dark classroom and discuss what just went on, and Ron, for the second time in these few few chapters, gets to be smart, this is what I was referring to, and offers an explanation about a squib while Hermione remains silent. And uh, so then later on we learn that uh, Ginny is very upset over the attack on Mrs. Norris and Ron tries to comfort her but to no avail and it is a given it, it is it a given that Ginny thought she would be killed soon why was she so upset uh she was upset because i think i think she explains later on in the book that she was upset because she blacked out during that time period when all of a sudden she found herself standing over Mrs. Norris or whatever and oh, she was right. like oh my gosh what am i doing like yeah. what's going on here yeah no, you're absolutely. And then, right. then she goes yeah. and destroys the diary in in the tries to at least in the uh, ba- Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. Yeah, yeah. And you also got to remember, Ron's trying to console her, and he's like, "Don't worry, they're going to catch the person who did this." And <laughs> oh. it's like, "Come on, don't worry, they're going to kick you out." You know. So, so it's one of those things where I think 
Ron was really not going to be able to help her out very much. No, there. no. Not knowing what situation she actually was in. Definitely not. Uh, and like Benny at the school, Hermione was desperate to learn more about the Chamber of Secrets. She, decla- she decides to ask Professor Binns in front of the class uh, what, what, what is the Chamber of Secrets. And he, at, first, at first he pushes it off and says, ah, I only talk about fact here. But then Hermione pushes him to answer again and he gives in. And this is another major movie difference, as we all know, in the in the film, it's McGonagall's class that Hermione decides to actually answer in. Does anyone wonder why they changed it? I mean, is it did they just not want bins in the in the film so much? Did they want to use a pre existing character everybody knew about already? I mean, because it was kind of random for Hermione to bring it up in a transfiguration class. Well, I mean, well, not necessarily when you consider that that's kind of a big issue going on at the school at the time. And yeah. McGonagall is one of the more trusted teachers, I would say. Mm-hmm. And not, not only that, but do we even really see Ben's in the films at all? No, we don't. I don't think so. That's why I'm saying maybe they just didn't want to introduce another character. Too yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, it costs, they have to cast somebody and then, of course, like the cost of doing the ghosts and all that, too. I yeah, they got to set it up and set up that character. What were we going to say, Micah? Yeah. No, I was okay. going to say that basically the same thing. I mean, you already have Dobby in that film. You have ghosts in the film. Yeah. Mikey? Uh, I was just going to say the same thing, and then you have to set up the backstory with Bins also. Yeah, yeah, About exactly. the story of, you know, he's been teaching it forever. He just woke up one day and left his body behind, and that's yeah. just, you know, more cost to it. McGonagall's a more attractive person to look at, too, from a visual perspective. That's a joke, but not really. <laughs> Thanks for the laugh. Keep, keep going. Keep <laughs> so going. all the students begin questioning Bins about the monster and the chamber, and they're all sort of like attacking him. It's like one question after another. Boom, 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 boom. And who, like McGonagall believes in the movie, does not exist. And, you know, very stubborn opinion here. They're just like, no way, no way. It's sort of like Umbridge with, you know, their, uh, you know, Voldemort is not back, blah, blah, blah. So Harry recalls, never telling Ron and Hermione that the Sorting Hat considered putting him in Slytherin. Uh, do you guys think, was was Harry right not to bring it up at this opportunity? Because I kind of see this as a missed opportunity for him. Uh, Hermione, or smart Ron, would have likely made the connection between the sorting, sorting Hat's consideration and Harry hearing the voices. Again, he's scared. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, all the dark wizards came from, you know, Slytherin. And that's where, you know, that's, he found that out in the first book, right on the train ride from uh, Ron, that all the, you know, there wasn't a dark wizard who wasn't from Slytherin. Yeah, yeah. So why, you know, with all this stuff bad happening, it's like, and everyone already thinks it's Harry, you know, why have his friends have one more reason for them to distrust him? Mm. I don't think they would distrust him, but, you know, he's self-conscious. Yeah. Okay, and then to wrap up the chapter, uh, the trio hears that rumors are starting to spread that Harry is the heir of Slytherin. Hermione believes that they need to turn into Slytherins and ask Draco about the situation because, you know, Draco's obviously uh, suspecting Harry, as is uh, Justin Finch uh, Fletchley. He's referenced numerous times in this chapter. and so, but Ron said, but th- to obtain the the book on to create the polyjuice potion, they need to get written permission from a teacher to have access to it. And Ron says, no teacher's going to fall for that. They'd have to be really thick. And of course, they don't say what chapter they're going to go to, <laughs> but of course, they're going to go to Lockhart. <laughs> uh, and some other little things in this chapter that hint what's to come. 
Uh, the trio sees the spiders heading out the window for the first time, and there's also an encounter encounter with Moaning Myrtle in her bathroom, uh, which gets Ron in trouble with Percy. And Myrtle doesn't reveal any it uh, doesn't reveal any important info at that point in time. Andrew, have you ever been caught in the girls' bathroom? Uh, well, doing like, using the bathroom or like like why were you why were you in a girls' bathroom? Yeah, Andrew. Andrew. What's up with that, It's dude? not your guys' business. I mean, have you been? Huh? No, no. Have you, Mikey? I- I've never been caught. <laughs> <laughs> Micah? That's the answer. Micah, I, be- I bet that's the same thing as Mikey. You've-, you've just never been caught. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay, so that there's our in-depth look at the chapter. It's time for quote, quote, quiz, 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 quiz. Tomorrow's the first Quidditch match of the season, I believe. Gryffindor against Slytherin is not. I hear you're a useful player. I was a seeker too. Charlie Weasley. No. I was a seeker too. I was a seeker too. It was Lockhart. Oh, that rotten Lockhart. I know, and he goes on to make more outrageous claims. So next week we'll be talking about chapters 10 through. Oh, is it just one quote? Yeah. Oh, that's not a quiz. Yes, it is. It's a question. It's a pop quiz. It's a pop question. <laughs> quiz has multiple questions. Quote, question, question, question. I was getting all prepared to do number two. Oh, do you want to do one? one? No, no, it's fine. Okay. I, I thought it was pop your question now. Oh, sorry. Um, all right, so next week we're so, going to be talking about chapters 10 through 12. Send in your questions and feedback about these upcoming chapters as well as the chapters we just discussed. Um, so thank you for that we have some emails now before we get into uh the sorting hat and of course dear emma ben would you like to take that first email yes miranda 18 from new zealand writes dear muggle casters on the topic of families who are too poor to send their kids to hogwarts in half blood prince when dumbledore goes to the orphanage to tell tom riddle he's a wizard he he says that there's a fund for those who can't afford to buy robes and books lots of love miranda I think uh, we spoke oh, we about, about like financial aid. For yeah, financial students. aid for people who can't afford to go. So could the Weasleys get part of their robes subsidized or something? Or is that like uh, <laughs> I don't I know. would look into that. Yeah, I don't know. Good question. I think the Weasleys would be too uh, proud to take you know handout from Dumbledore. Yeah, I could see that. Micah, could you read the next email? Yep. Uh, next email comes from Summer. From San Antonio, Texas, and she says, Hey, MogulCast folks, I know you hear this a lot, so I'll keep it short. Y'all rock. But then she goes on to say, Last podcast, when y'all were discussing that there were really no hints that Mr. Malfoy had placed Tom's diary in Ginny's book, I went back and read that section, and though it might be a stretch, I thought it was interesting that Joe said Mr. Malfoy's eyes were glittering with malice on page 63 of the U.S. edition. I looked up the word, and according to the Oxford Dictionary, it means, quote, the desire to do harm to someone, ill will. It doesn't seem like malice would be the right word if he was just angry and fired up about the mini throwdown between him and Mr. Weasley. A word like, well, anger would seem more fitting. Malice sounds a lot more sinister. He's also looking straight at Ginny when he's got the malice in his eyes, and glittering implies that he's going to enjoy whatever is about to happen. He also makes a point to give it straight to Ginny, which is a very odd gesture in itself. One would expect him to throw it on the floor in disgust or not pick it up at all. It would be suspicious if not for the insult he throws in. 
Here, girl, it's the best your father could give you to cover his tracks. Like I said, this may seem like a bit of a stretch, and by now I've read it so many times that I'd like to find something here. But just thought I'd share. It's also a lot more fun to analyze Harry Potter than macroeconomics. Thanks for reading and keep up the awesome job. Well, that's a good point. And I'm... What? I was going to say I agree, like... We, there's a reason why we don't do macroeconomics, cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. I was also referring to uh, the the glittering with malice. I think that's a, a nice little research that Summer did there because I'm, I'm happy now. I'm satisfied. There was a hint. We just had to look up the definition of the word to get it. All right, Mikey, you want to read the next email from Sammy from your old hometown of California, home state? Uh, home state, not hometown, but sure, why now? Uh, Sammy, no age, from California. Hi, Mugglecasters. I was listening to the latest episode when you talk about how Ginny insists on going back for her diary on the way to King's Cross. Remembering the scene made me wonder if at this point, only a few days after she had first gotten the diary, Ginny was already possessed. Diaries are usually, us- are usually kept secret, so it doesn't seem like she would tell her entire family and Harry that she had one unless, they are ex- unless it was extremely important to her. She could have quietly asked one of her parents to mail it to her if she had already possess- if she was already possessed it would give some insight into how powerful horcruxes are and how a- <clears throat> and again show how amazing Harry is for never being possessed at all in his work with the horcruxes. Just wanted to hear your thoughts. You guys are amazing and I adore the show. Thanks. Well, I mean, when she's on when they're on the way to King's Cross, she can't exactly be like I need to go back and they, they would say, "Well, what do you need?" She, you know, she has to tell him that her di- she's going back to get her diary. But was he saying like the, the Horcrux like creates like this attachment to the diary where she's just like needs the diary at all costs? I think that's what Sammy's saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think Sammy's saying that could Ginny have already been affected by the diary in the short period of time that she's had it before she goes to Hogwarts? I think so because I imagine I imagine when she first started writing in the diary. You know, she's emotionally vulnerable. She has a crush on Harry. She has all these things. And at, there's probably one point where she sp- sat down for hours and just poured her entire heart out to this thing, something that would finally listen to her, something that would finally give her some feedback. Yeah, yeah. So she probably def- she definitely had that emotional connection established. Next I agree. E- next email comes from Luke McClay, 14 in Northern Ireland. Hi, MuggleCast. First of all, I love the show. I am loving the chapter-by-chapter chapter segments the most. My question is, what do you guys believe... This is a really interesting question. What do you guys believe to be Harry's easiest year in Hogwarts? Or what year do you feel that the least happened to Harry or the trio? Once again, love the show, guys. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Harry's easiest year. That's a good question, I thought. Because he faces trouble every year. (laughs) Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, that was my gut. I was going to say Prisoner of Azkaban just because... He doesn't face anything bad. He's just in constant fear of Sirius Black until he finds out, you know, he's a good guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's also really I, – I think you could argue he's in pretty constant fear in every book too. Yeah. There's <laughs> always something going on. What do you think, Ben? I, I think I think Prisoner of Azkaban you know, I mean, probably would be the best. I mean because uh, – in, in that book, he actually gets a chance to where he actually believes that, you know, he's going to get to live with Sirius and all these great things. And Yeah, there's a lot to hope for. There's a lot to hope for, and even though it all gets uh, crushed. Yeah. He's used to it at that point. But, um, <laughs> it's just another day in the, you know, 
just another day in the life of Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Yeah. Well, what would you guys say is his hardest then? Year seven. I mean, year seven. Th- that's when it's all kind of culminating, and he's out on the run, and they there's a lot of unknowns. You know, he can't even say Voldemort anymore because the trace is on, and it's just all really, really intense. And then you know, there's a lot and of I, deaths going on, destruction. It's abound. I, I agree with Ben completely, and you know, it's one of those things. He doesn't have guidance that year. It's all up to him. You know, he he has that fight with Ron. Because Ron's like, well, we thought you had, you know, some magic, you know, some idea of what we were actually doing. He was totally at a loss of, like, what to do. He had an idea of where, you know, he wanted to go, but he didn't know what the Horcruxes were, where they were. I was going to say Order of the Phoenix because, yeah, okay, he has to fight Voldemort in, in Book 7. But Order of the Phoenix, you know, he has <laughs> this incredible amount of emotional... Uh, this, he's facing this incredible emotional struggle throughout the book. Who's Cedric, your boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, you just think about how infuriated he was at Umbridge and how infuriated he was about these thoughts going on inside of his head and these dreams. And um, Joa said herself that, you know, that was a very challenging uh, book for Harry. Harry's very angry. Well, that was his most annoying year, for sure. Yeah. Because he was, he was a punk in that book. Him and Sirius both. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, it's probably a, a toss-up between Order of the Phoenix and Deathly Hollows. What about losing Dumbledore in Book Six? I mean, come <laughs> on, that's a big blow. Well, that's the thing. That's oh, why. Well, what about what about Year One? You know, he finds out he's a wizard, and then he has to face off with Lord Voldemort. That's, that's a lot to time. handle. That's a lot to handle. Yeah. Well, Not, that's that's why it's an interesting <laughs> question, guys. <laughs> there's. there's and what about Year Two? <laughs> I mean, he has I, to go fight a, a giant, giant snake. snake. I mean, come on. I know, seriously, wow. He had wow. a hard life. He w- had a hard life. I remember, I still remember this so vividly. Some things you remember, like, insanely vividly, vividly over, like, ten years. I was sitting in the kitchen with my mom, and I was talking to her about Chamber of Secrets, how it's coming in the theater soon. I was like, Mom, this one's really dark because Harry gets to actually put a sword through a dragon and it's probably going to be rated PG-13 or something. And she was like, oh, wow, sounds dark. But it, it's just so funny you, to you, me. You told her you, you put a sword through a dragon? <laughs> or, or a snake. Sorry, that's what I meant. Not a wow. dragon. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. No, I'm serious. I, I just screwed up right now. Sorry. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, just sure. so funny to think like, I, you know, as a 12-year-old, I was like, oh, my God, it's getting so dark so quick. But that was nothing. That was nothing. You had no idea what you were in store for. Micah, what's that second to last? Or Ben, we'll continue the order. Ben, can you read that yes. next email? Joel Kavaskinder from Western Australia writes, Hi, guys. I'm an episode or two behind, but I was listening to 182, and you guys were talking about what J.K. Rowling could possibly be working on now due to a recent tweet. I noticed you didn't mention what had been mentioned on J.K. Rowling a year in the life, which was that she had enough of Potter for the moment. I therefore don't believe she is working on the HP Encyclopedia. The documentary does mention that she had once again began, ri- began writing, and when asked about it, she says, it's a political fairy tale. That was all she would reveal. Unless I have missed a story about her canceling out this idea or something, I do believe that this is why pen and paper is her priority at the moment. Thanks for all the awesome shows. I really, would, I really enjoy listening. And Andrew, Ben, and Micah are my favorites. Oh, I'm sorry, Mikey. Oh, poor Mikey. It's all right. I'm always forgotten. It's okay. I I had remembered she did say she was doing this political fairy tale, but I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just really stubborn, but I just can't picture J.K. Rowling doing something before Harry Potter's all over. I just, like, see that she... I think she has to be completely done with Harry Potter. I can't see her going to this political fairy tale, then going back to an encyclopedia. 
Why not? I, I mean, you, because you, you go you go over to Twilight Source and then come back to work on MuggleNet. Why can't she go <laughs> work on the political she's fairy She's the tale author of the book. <laughs> Joe, don't do this to us. Stick with Harry. I don't know. I mean, I certainly wouldn't complain. Of course, I you know we'd all love to see this new work by J.K. Rowling. But isn't Harry Potter kind of a political fairy tale? Yeah, it kind of is. Like when you think about it. Yeah. All, all, all Harry Potter is like the more and more I think about it, it's just like she put up a mirror of the world. <laughs> And she's like, hey, here's what's going on, guys. Yeah. And, uh, and everybody sees, like, right. different bits and pieces of themselves in it. Yeah, there's lots of parallels. Um, but what if she made this into, like, a big series? I mean, you know she could easily do this again. Oh, well, I mean, it depends on... I say easily lately, but... Like, I mean, I, if she she writes a new series and... But I was told, I, I remember hearing a while ago that she probably wasn't going to release it under the same name. Which to me would be a, I think would be a big mistake. Because oh yeah. If you if you have all these people who are huge Harry Potter fans, but then at the same the same time she really doesn't need the money. She's already a billionaire, so maybe she's thinking, all right, well I'll just. But she has to. She couldn't hide it from all her diehard fans. I don't think. Well, I mean, you know what Ben's saying. Just a little disclaimer. That's not like officially confirmed or anything. Well, so. Stephen King. Stephen King has many different pen names. Yeah. And. Uh, like a lot of t- like, I remember one time I found out this book was actually Stephen King, and I mean maybe the diehard fans would figure it out or yeah. be able to tell by the writing style or something. But the other thing about Stephen King is that he writes a lot of books. This is only J.K. Rowling's second book, so or second series, whatever this political fairy tale is going to be. So, but at the same time though, you got to remember if she releases it as J.K. Rowling, people are going to expect a certain type of book. You know, and, and she may just want to release it under a different name where there's not that pressure. Yeah, but that would be a tragedy. Can you imagine she were, she releases this new book and nobody knows she did it? Oh, it would be terrible. And, yeah. I mean, she'd have to reveal it eventually. I don't know. Yeah. Let's move on. Um, Micah, can you get that last email? Last email comes from Rachel of Nowhere. Age, nothing. <laughs> First of all, I love your show. Second of all, when I was on the pronunciation guide on Scholastic, I noticed that when you click on Voldemort, it pronounces it Voldemort. It leaves off the T completely. What do you think? Thanks, Rachel. That's probably the correct pronunciation. Yeah, I think it is. Voldemort. Voldemort. It's French, right? <laughs> no. Maybe. I'm no. not sure. Canute. <laughs> Canute. means flight from death. Uh, or stealing death. That's sexy. Ben, to wrap up the show, like I teased at the beginning, I understand you have a letter to Emma that you would like to. Yeah, it's short and sweet. Yeah. But, but have I, you have you written this to her and mailed it to her? And I mean, or what are you doing? What you am know? I doing? Well, I'm I'm just hoping that maybe she, uh, she'll hear it. She'll hear it somehow. Okay. Um. Yeah. All um, right. But maybe somebody at Brown will play it for her. Maybe. Dear Emma. We've had an ongoing fling for a while now, and my heart still aches for your presence. (laughs) I've watched you develop before my eyes, and your passion just sings to me. I know you're very busy with all of your acting work, and that you go to school on the other side of the country, but I still think that together, baby, we can make magic. (laughs) Get at me, girl. Love, Benjamin. Ah, that's very nice. That's very nice. Yeah, I, t- gonna... I tend to fall for those actor types. Yeah, you know? I understand. Yeah. Especially the ones you try to pick up at after parties. <laughs> I know, yeah. I just like the way they're like emotionally in control. Right, you know? right. It's very, very attractive. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe next week Emma can write a letter to you. 
Yeah, it's dear a Ben. Site. Dear Ben, thank you for your note. I must say, I have mutual feelings I, for I you. I must say, I am flattered. <laughs> you are the one millionth boy to write me this kind of letter. <laughs> it's all right. Well, because you know, everybody knows about my near encounter with her. Right at the order. Of yes. The yes. Wow. Yeah. It was. It was, it was very. It was very near. Right. Very near. I was inches away from her on the couch. I was about to slip my arm around her. And then it all came crashing down when the security guard came in. What are they thinking? They could trust you. I mean, when I look at you, I I see trust. Yeah, I mean, I'm very, very innocent looking. She does know about you, though. Yeah. This is true, because Emerson Emerson asked her on the red carpet, you about Ben Shade? She's like, are you him? (laughs) (laughs) I forgot all about that. Wow. It's all right. Emma, if you're out there, I'm not going to say I'm coming for you because that would sound funny. <laughs> that would sound a little bit weird, but yeah. look me up. Twitter.com slash Ben Shane. Okay, well. I got to plug that once a show. I'm sorry. That's fine. Uh, we have a couple announcements before we wrap up the show today. Don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley. It's a new month, so vote for us. It is MuggleCast how many, November. How many votes have we gotten all time? A lot. Are, 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 we, are we still number one or does that, that go away Well, it resets every month. I know, but have we? Are we consistently number one like we used to be? Uh, yeah, we're number seven this month. I mean, that's not bad. In the ratings. In the ratings, and this is the first episode of the month, so please vote for us on Podcast Alley. We do appreciate that, everyone. Uh, also, Podcast Awards update: two thousand nine Podcast Awards. I'm very happy to announce that, thanks to all of your support, the listeners, we have been nominated in the best produced and best entertainment category. So thank you. We're going for some more of them. We're going for the gold. We're going for them. So uh, where are these at? Where are the podcast awards at? Tilt it year? up. Tilt it up. Where are the podcast awards? Up more. It's... Where are the podcast awards? Oh, no. Now I sound great again. I know. <laughs> where, where are the podcast awards at this year, Andrew? They're going to be online like they were last year. He does oh. this webcast. Yeah. So do you get on webcam? Micah did last year. Really? And yeah. he was like, thank you. Yeah, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't accept it. That was exactly how it went. Yeah. Just like, Thanks. From that's all from our new studio in yeah. New York. Goodbye. Sorry, Sorry Micah. I can't even mocking you right in front of you. So no, it's fine. So here's how it's going to work. Hold on, let me get the page up so I can get the. We're yeah. up against a podcast and best produced called NFL Rants and Rants. Mm. And also this American Life, which is a very popular uh, NPR podcast, I believe, or PBS. Yeah, they're going Ooh. down. So yeah, so there's some tough competition this year. Um, so the voting begins on November 13th. And how that works is you can vote once a day. Mm-hmm. So we ask you to please vote for us once a day starting November 13th through November 30th uh, at podcastawards.com. We'll remind you all on the Twitter and the Facebook and MuggleNet so to, to make sure we get your votes. We really appreciate it. Um and you, you know it, it it speaks to the podcasting community that you know we still have these great Harry Potter podcasts out there. So we're we're nominated in best produced and also best entertainment. Uh, last year we won best entertainment, and in 2006 we won People's Choice. And so this year we're going for big time gold again. So if we could win two awards, this would be our first year winning two awards. That'd so, be rad. Yes, it would. That would be more than rad. <laughs> That'd be, be radical. Radical. Radic radatastic. Radatastic. So again, November thirteenth, and we will remind you. That's when daily voting starts. Micah, we have a new ultimate DVD section on MuggleNet, don't we? We do. We do. Tell I created us about it. it. Oh. 
it's it's your one stop source for everything Ultimate DVD. So so is it the Ultimate DVD section or is it the, the <laughs> Ultimate DVD section? It's the Ultimate DVD section for the Ultimate DVDs. It's oh. the Ultimate Ultimate DVD selection. Ultimate, right. ultimate section on the Ultimate Harry Potter site. <laughs> right. It, there you go. Wow. On the wow. Ultimate Data Network. The internet. But you can go over there, check out all the features for Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets. You can watch the trailer that WB put together for these uh, two editions that are coming out. Yeah. You check the latest prices. We got everything going on over there. Yeah, and and you'll be and that page will be updated with the future Ultimate editions too. Uh, you guys yes. know what we're talking about. We discussed those on MuggleCast a few weeks ago. Um, also, Eric's not on this week, but he did want us to remind you that the uh, Muggle Cat or the Wizarding World theme park slash roller coaster tycoon contest has concluded. To see the winners from the roller coaster tycoon contest, uh, just check out the show notes for this episode on MuggleCast.com, and there's a link. Eric made a news post on MuggleNet a few weeks ago that you can yeah. also check out if you haven't already. So great job, and thanks everyone who uh, contributed to that. We'll add them, too, to the, the Wizarding World section. It'll yeah. probably be easier for people to get to also. Yeah. And last but not least, uh, Infinitus 2010 is coming up. We just wanted to remind you about it. As everybody knows, our friends at HPEF put on amazing Harry Potter conferences every year. And Infinitus 2010 is the next conference. It's going to be uh, July 15th through the 18th in Orlando. Are we going to be there, Andrew? Ben, again. I... Uh, we can't we can't reveal at this time. At this time, honestly, okay. I don't even know. I don't even. It should be a running thing. There where is you... no travel booked at this point, people. I can confirm. <laughs> That's right. There is no travel booked via any airline. That should be if a running there. That should be a You're running thing every week where you just ask me anyway. Are we going to be there? Yeah. Are we going to be there? <laughs> the, 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 I asked you last week. You didn't did. I? Yeah. That's why I said again, Ben. Yeah. No. Oh damn. So you're gonna be you're gonna be there, Ben. You're gonna be like, are we gonna get there? <laughs> We're right here. Me and Andrew are gonna drive across the country. Yeah. We're actually gonna hey, bike. You should Let's pick bike. me up. Let's bike there. Swing through Kentucky. Like, hey, Mikey, Take- what's up? Hop on the back. Let's of my go. Bike. <laughs> uh, they recently redid their website. It's it's beautiful looking website. Infinitus2010.org. Register for the conference. It's going to be the first Harry Potter conference at a Harry at the Harry Potter theme park. It's going to be incredible. Can't even imagine how great it's going to be. And um, I'm excited. You can register. Just put MuggleNet and or MuggleCast in the um, in the referral box when you do register. We greatly appreciate that, so they know where you came from. So that's it. Uh, don't that's forget. It? This is it. This is this that's is it. it. Oh no! Don't forget to visit MuggleCast.com for all the contact information about the show. Uh, there's a contact link towards the top where you can fill out the feedback form to contact us or just uh, use our any any of our first names at staff.mugglenet.com. Don't forget about our Twitter at twitter.com slash mugglecast. And there you can also follow Ben Shane. There's a button for Ben. Can you, <laughs> follow me. you can also uh, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash mugglecast and uh, become a fan of us over there. We have 8,000 fans on Facebook. That's Ooh. cool. So again, That's everyone, cool. thank you so much for your support. We're obviously doing great, you know, with uh, in terms of fan support. Thank you again for uh, nominating us in the podcast awards, and hopefully, we can win this year. Thank you so much for everything, Mikey. I love you. I love you too, Ben. I, I wish I was on more often. I want to hang out with you again. I know this has just been great, grand, and wonderful at the same time. Micah, I love you. Oh wow! Look at this. I just want to. I love you too, Micah. <laughs> Micah, thanks, guys. I love you the most. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> I love you, too, Andrew. Love is all you need. Love will conquer all. Love is the weapon we have. 
That's what I learned from Harry Potter. I am Andrew Sims. I am Benjamin Shane. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Micah B. (laughs) Woo! We'll see see everyone next time for episode 185. Bye-bye. Peace. Bye-bye. Bye.